we are on Hollywood Boulevard. Welcome. Hi, Karen. And hello, Alyssa Marr. Hi. Thanks for having me. Very special guest. So just just to peek behind the curtain a little bit, usually when I'm on the podcast with Karen, I'm sitting in the same room as Alyssa, and she's, you know, she's listening, watching other stuff, but we can see each other. Now, Alyssa and I are on the podcast with Karen, but to do so, Alyssa and I have to be in other rooms. So it is so close, but so far. Uh, <laughs> but we're doing it for you guys. Um, and we are going to talk about a couple of current movies. Uh, one that Karen has just caught up to that Alyssa and I saw. Uh, I mean, it feels like a lifetime ago. It was just earlier in 2020, but we all know wow. what that has been. Yeah, I know. I know. I felt like, okay, so y'all, I finally caught up with Joker. Yeah, are you laughing? Probably not. I am not laughing. You know what? I have to say, it deserved every friggin' Oscar it got. Oh, good. Oh, I'm, I'm maybe a little surprised to hear your take on that, but, but I'm glad I mean, you think that. I guess I went into it feeling... Like, I might, I probably wouldn't like it because, you know, I, I have, uh, I, I have a weird relationship with movies based on comics. I don't love them usually, not the way people do, other people do. Um, and so I was sort of like, eh, on this. And it was, I, I like, I just kind of like, as the credits were rolling, just sort of sitting on my couch, like, mouth agape and I looked at Anthony and I was like that was a masterpiece it was an absolute masterpiece it was like watching Taxi Driver like my first time watching Taxi Driver I mean definitely one of its clear influences my question is did Anthony also like it yes he did oh good he did I think Um, Alyssa and I felt already I think he might have seen it already and that no maybe he didn't but no he did like it um I don't know if he liked it as much as I did because this was like I truly felt like this was uh like this was a movie like this was um it 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 was an art house movie I thought you know to a degree I mean it was very you know Henry portrait of a serial killer it had you know it had all that and I know like I went back um last night and looked through some of the press about it it didn't get great press. It got a dreadful review in the New York Times. Um, you know, A.O. Scott needs to, like, pull the He's plug cool. out of his butt, to be, to be honest well, with you. like, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, I don't need to see another, like, incel, straight, white, cis man, like, you know, go be violent. So it got a lot of, like, bad press that way. Even though it made, I think, like a billion dollars, it was a huge yeah, it's hit. Yeah, a but, huge hit. Yeah. But a lot of the uh, the woke Twitter or people were very against it. I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't know. It, I kind it, of. It, I it, came, like... it was released really came at a very sticky time. Yeah. And, uh, which did of... it no favors. It was, I just felt like it was like a gorgeous character study into the mind of a very disturbed man. Um, I thought Joaquin Phoenix's portrayal of mental illness was truly spectacular. Um, I thought that he was, he was sensitive and he was, um, he did bring 
a sensitivity to it that I think not a lot of actors would have. They would have play acted um, crazy rather than actually looking for the nuance in mental illness. Um, and, and that I think was truly extraordinary to, to watch his performance. Um, from the ticks that he had, the laughing, the, um, his, his movements, his delusions, like it, it, I, I just thought his performance was, was really thrilling and beautiful. And yes, he very much deserved like, you know, every Oscar and Golden Globe and whatever, you know, just give him all the awards. Cause I thought that he was really, it was such a tremendous performance. Um, and I thought the directing was spectacular. Like, I was very surprised that the director, um, Todd Phillips, I, I had done, you know, his big credits were like The Hangover. The old school and The Hangover. And do, right? You know what I mean? Like, I'm kind of like, wait, what? Hey, I, I love what? The Hangover. <laughs> I think the first Hangover is a perfect movie. I can't talk. Yeah, it's the, actually I it's think, great script. But I think was, the sequels are terrible, but the first one is, is perfect. I watch it every time it's on. It's and so it's proof that you just never know what someone is capable of delivering. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, so director-wise, with Joaquin, we knew. But yeah. yeah, like, so not expected with this director. Like, I was just like, what? Um, and I thought, you know, the use of Robert De Niro was wonderful. I think that De Niro was a phenomenal actor that has um, aged out of the business. Um, oddly, I don't think he does very compelling roles anymore, um, or I don't think he's that interesting anymore. Um, particularly with The Irishman was the last movie that I think yeah. I knew him. Yep, no and I just thought, I thought that was dreadful. And I thought that he was just like, you know, going hard, you know, let's go back to the Goodfellas days. Like, no. And I thought that he was wonderful in this. You know, I, I, I don't know. I absolutely love this movie and I thought it was really tremendous and really well done. I think you exceeded your expectations a bit and I think it didn't quite meet Alyssa's and my expectations as much. I think we're more on the side of really loving what Joaquin was able to do with it, maybe than loving everything in the script. Um, but in terms of recreating that, that like lawless sort of late seventies, early eighties, New York. Um, and that sort of like, uh, I don't know. Vengeance is the right word, but that like loner lunatic, kind of um, miscreant. Uh, I thought Todd Phillips did a really effective job. I, I also felt like it was actually, even though, like you were saying, like it got kind of like, you know, savaged um, because of when it was released and the time, you know, the t sort of the, the, the cultural moment. Watching it during this pandemic and with all of the protests and with all of the counter protests, which yeah. are very dangerous and and watching it in this moment, it actually felt very current and very prescient in a lot of ways. And also you can sort of see how desperate people might follow a madman. Desperate people will follow a lunatic. And that's what I think was sort of the, like the driving sort of undercurrent of the story of this movie. Desperate people will follow a complete lunatic. And that's exactly what we're, what's going on in this country. Desperate Wait, what are you talking about? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, like, that's sort of like, I was like, holy shit, it's 2020 it, on screen, like right now. It's, just, you know, um, and, and that's what, and that's where I thought also, 
Oh, Jesus. I'm bang, I'm banging into my desk here. Um, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> um, that I, that's also where I felt like I, like, I think the movie was just so interesting to watch. And so, and again, you know, really sort of caught, I was really caught up in it. And, and I do think it had a lot to do with the cultural moment that we're in. Like, I'm wondering if these critics can kind of like leave the wokeness behind and look at it and rewatch this movie now. I'm kind of wondering what would that takeaway be? I don't, you know, I, I wish that were the case, but I feel like, and Doug and I talk about this all the time, that people watch or engage with so much media in context and not content um and they react either positive like it works both ways like they'll say like they'll be overly positive or something because of context but then you're like wait it's not really that great and the writing's bad or the acting's bad or whatever and then and the flip side you have the joker where it's like you know it doesn't matter how good the script or direction or acting might be because well it's a straight white guy who um, is people. violent and kills people and is and glorifying is violence. Yeah. So, I wish I wish that were the case, Karen. <laughs> well, but, but we do we do I'm agree with, with you. you. I mean, it's the conversation we literally have every single day at some point. So I'm like, I can't talk about it anymore. Which is, you know, like people just bring the things that they think are right and want to see, and that's how they determine what is good, which is a very different standard than an objective one. Because objectively, Joker is a well-assembled, well-crafted movie with a virtuosic performance at the center. And that's not what the conversation became, because the quote-unquote tastemakers wanted something else. Um which is unfortunate, but I don't think if they were watching it now, like in the specific moment you watched it versus when Alyssa and I saw it, which is a difference of maybe like eight months, um, that they would think any differently the way, uh, and, and, you know, and not think the way you have. You, don't, you is, don't think that they would see something different there watching no, it now? Because I really? think, no, because I think they would, you know, you're talking about the way people are following a lunatic blindly. Um, well, the, then I think a lot of the people who would watch this now would be like, oh, it's a trigger for me. I can't watch it. And therefore, it's just oh, be canceled. Yeah. That's, yeah. I think, where. Yeah, especially Android. since we've just gotten like, you know, the Kenosha protests and the murders that happened there. I think That's I think true. people. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, it's that age old like, you know, people blamed video games for yeah. violence and. Marilyn Manson for for Columbine and you know people always blame media um, for the violence as well and like violence as well is always going to happen and yeah well that's I mean it's sort of interesting and this kind of ties into uh, Melrose Place <laughs> we Tell love it how. when we can do I'm that um, back you know back when Melrose Place was like on the air I mean do you guys rem- I don't know Alyssa you might not remember Doug you probably do where Tipper Gore was Al Gore's wife yeah. was driving that PMRC um yeah. banning the rap lyrics or whatever yeah. she's trying to like yeah. you know sort of like quiet like silence silence rap artists and I just find it sort of extraordinary that um you know on the one hand there was this progressive fight 
to keep well first of all it was the quote unquote progressive party that was trying to like like basically like shut down yeah. like you know the rap industry and the and the and the and the, and the music industry um but you know the, there was a progressive movement to say hey look this is just you know this is art and it reflects life and it doesn't necessarily incite violence and you're making this up and you're just uncomfortable with it. And then to have like, what, where are we 20, 30 years later to have that sort of same progressive culture kind of now trying to censor, censor, you know, the, the film and the artwork and everything that sort of is coming out. Yeah, I mean, you're taking the words out of my mouth. Yes, that's exactly it, where we are. That's exactly how we've gone backwards. Like, like you this can call a, it cancel like, culture whenever you want, but what it is is censorship. Right. What it right. is is saying, I have a right to decree what can be said in this world of, in this nation of free speech, and you don't have it. Because I was like, perhaps. I was a young adult back then, and I was fighting the the sort of you know the censorship that was going on that the government. You know, I was I was out there fighting it. I was fighting against it, and then to have, you know, some twenty thirty odd years later, this sort of flip side, and I'm like, okay, so then what are we saying? Are we saying that video games really did kill kids? Are we saying like, do you know what I mean? Like, like. Like, I think that, again, it's just a very dangerous path that we're going down right now. Um, and I, I, I don't see any, I don't see any good coming out of it, you know, um, because we're, we're playing into the hands of the religious right, frankly. Yeah. I mean, it goes straight into that adage of those who forget the past are doomed to repeat it. Like, I thought we were good. I thought we learned these lessons and had moved forward and uh, we haven't. Because right. no one remembers anything that happened the day before yesterday. Right. We say everyone's a goldfish. Yeah, literally. I'm making my goldfish face right now. You just can't see it. Oh, uh, I bet it's cute. <laughs> so what did you guys see? <sighs> oh, no. <laughs> we, yeah, this size says this it all. morning, we watched the new Charlie Kaufman film, uh, which is available on Netflix. Called I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Aptly named. <laughs> what is this um, about? I know nothing about this. So, okay, so, we should give a spoiler alert before we yeah, go further. We there's are going no to spoil to, this. Yeah, we are gonna, we're going to dissect this movie, and there's no way to even try and assemble its plot, let alone dissect it without really telling you anything and everything about it. So be forewarned right now, if you don't want to hear more about it and you haven't seen it and want to watch it unscathed, um, you should probably turn the podcast off now and give us five stars. Otherwise, <laughs> you can't say you haven't been warned. Alyssa, go for it. So um, Jesse Buckley plays a young woman who is going to meet her their or like new boyfriend like couple yeah, weeks they're together like six um, weeks or yeah uh her new boyfriend played by jesse clemens parents for the first time um and she's like yeah this is new but she keeps saying i'm thinking of ending things i'm thinking of anything um it's and then so we watched them take this road trip where they she recites a poem and they talk about musicals. I don't know. Um, and then they eventually get to this 
farmhouse where things are kind of odd. Um, like there's scratches on the door and he's like, you can't go down to the basement and there's dead sheep. And he talks about pigs having mag, you know, dying and having maggots in their belly. And they meet, we meet the parents that, who are played by Tony Collette and David Tulis. Mm-hmm. Um, and during dinner, you realize that like details about um, the Jessie Buckley character are different. Like her name is always different. Her occupation, like where she's from, where she grew up, like things are very weird things are happening. The parents are aging rapidly. Um, so we're in this house and, you know, things aren't what they seem. And then on the flip, and then there's sort of like a B plot where we're following this um, elderly jan- high school janitor. Um, just He's like watching a scene from the, per- the school production of Oklahoma. He's watching a Robert Zemeckis movie in a diner, um, a fake movie that Charlie Kaufman created. And, um, and then it falls off the rails. And I'm not even getting, I, I like can't even continue to tell you what the movie is about because I'm not sure. Um, but reading about the ending explained, it seems like the janitor just made up the was either the Jesse Plemons character older and he made up the girlfriend or he made, or he made up the, it's based on a book. Um, I can't remember the, the uh, Ian Reed is that? Uh, it's either Ian or Jan. Yeah. But it's definitely something great. I'm sorry. I don't remember. But in the book, the both that he's made up both the, the young couple and, um, in the end, he dies. He like freezes to death in the snow outside the school. There's a dream ballet. Jesse Plemons sings a song from Oklahoma. He recites <laughs> the 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 big monologue at the end of um, A Beautiful Mind. They talk endlessly for 22 minutes about um, the John Cassavetes movie, A Woman Under the Influence. It's pointless. It's this stupid. Sounds- Painful. I, like that's I, that's the thing. I, I mean, Alyssa is—you could say that Alyssa's doing the film no favors in her description, but that's actually a condensed version of what it's like to to watch it. Now, I I have a pretty wide palette. I can handle a lot of different types of movies, and I can handle surrealistic storyline storytelling. But but it has to all be in the service of something, whether it's thematic or you know, some sort of convergence uh, by the end. I mean, I've loved early Charlie Kaufman stuff, like Adaptation, where he was able to take a topic that was, you know, you know, really esoteric based on the Orchid Thief and basically turn the movie inside out and upside down and give you something really dynamic and humorous and heartwarming. Or mm. being John Malkovich, which is ultimately a beautiful movie about relationships that starts from a very quirky place. This is something totally different and I think ultimately bereft of, of fulfilling any of the tenets of basic dramatic storytelling. But we're, we're following the head, you know, like with the interior monologue of the female protagonist who is in this very weird world where nothing makes sense and things keep changing on her and therefore on us as the viewer. Um, And we want to know, like, what does this ultimately mean for her? 
And the closer we get towards the end of the film's running time, the more the film has said it's not got anything to do with her. The audience surrogate and the protagonist actually may or may not even exist. And it's more about the male protagonist, the boyfriend character, and what he may or may not know. But in the end, we still don't know him. Even if it's actually a bait and switch, and it's not about the woman, but it's about her boyfriend, we still don't know anything about him. What he feels, what he knows, what he loves, what he's lost, why he has been anything over the course of his life, we're not given anything. Alyssa and I both looked at each other, and this is why I would say, one reason why we are the perfect pair, at exactly the same minute in the movie, we looked at each other and said, this is just masturbation. In unison, yeah. we said it. And that's truly all this movie is. It's creative, yeah. high-minded, highly paid jerking off from and, a filmic and, standpoint. And like I said, I, I went back and read a lot of, like, there's a lot of things on the internet of, like, the ending explained. And, um, and I, like, to me, it was pretty clear either that, to me, it was pretty clear that the the woman, the young woman, she doesn't have a name. It keeps changing. Um, what's not real. Um, but it was, like, clear that one of them wasn't real. Like, there's a scene where they go to, like, a Dairy Queen-type place, and she's at the window, and the girls working look beyond her, and are like, can I help you, sir? So it's like, oh, she clearly doesn't exist. But, like, but it's not one of those things where it's like, oh, she's imaginary, and he's just talking to her. But, like, in his mind, it's like, so it's clear that something is off from the get-go. And then, like, it's not really a gotcha ending, because I don't, but it feels like... Because there's nothing to get. Right. But, like, the problem for me, and, and this is why, Karen, we said that, like, it ties into the Joker, was that, like... Like, it kind of reminded me of another movie that Doug and I hated, Mother. Um, uh, with, like, this, there's, like, this now, like, group of movies where we watch a young pretty girl get, like, psychologically tortured for an hour and a half, and then there's a gotcha ending, you know? <laughs> like, and I was, like, trying to come up with, like, what, do we ever see it where, like, it's it's a man being psychologically tortured by a woman and like that doesn't have to do with sex like we were talking about this like we were talking about like well we have like fatal attraction we're like oh yeah but that's like she goes crazy because he doesn't want to have sex with her anymore like there's never it's always like this like masturbatory fantasy of these directors to be like i'm going to torture this actress for an hour and a half psychologically but it's all in the bigger picture of, like, like in this case, and, I, and I'm thinking of anything, it's like, oh, well, this janitor is lonely, and he never really had a love, so he um, made her up. And it's like, oh, please. <laughs> like, well, isn't that, I mean, isn't that sort of incel behavior, too? Yeah. It is. Yeah. That's why when you had mentioned you were going to talk about Joker, we thought, yeah, there's a very clear through line from one to the other. Ab absolutely. In a way that, like, excuses and extols the virtues of yeah. the solitary man in each of these movies, but uh, 
but at, at the complete detriment of telling the story of a fully realized female character, which is why Alyssa went on social media as we watched it, and she was like, I'm over it. Let only women make all the films from now on. Yeah. And I co-signed. Well, you know, yeah. can I also just point out that um, this, uh, I'm thinking of en- I'm thinking of ending things. Uh, Tony Scott, critics pick, New York Times. Oh, yeah, awesome. that's, and that's you know that's another thing that I think we're responding to with this because it's Charlie Kaufman and all these like you know cineholics, both journalistic and just in, in an avocation like fawn all over him. It's like we don't need to know what this means or why it's good. We'll concoct reasons. We just yeah. know we love it. Therefore, it is. Therefore, it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, critics picks and high high ratings galore, and all these not real think pieces, but sort of bloggish type posts saying like, "Oh, this is so brilliant! Oh, this is so smart!" No one can actually explain what is going on. Why, in order for something to be good, it has to be some do something that is new, not seen before, and something that gives the audience enough to understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's the quote you use from Bullets Over oh, Broken? Yeah. Um, I hate to give Woody Allen any credence, especially in this conversation, but Bullseye Bro is still one of my favorite movies, and um, there's a quote in it where he's like, you're a genius. Right, uh, like, regular people and intellectuals find your work incoherent. That means you're a genius. <laughs> and it's like something I've carried with me, like, through, like, creative writing workshops and, like, getting my BFA, like, people would come in with total incoherent things and people would say, well, I have no idea what it means. It must be great. You know, it's the Ben Brantley way of uh, critiquing things. (laughs) I don't get it. It must be brilliant. It must be brilliant. But, you know, Charlie, you know, I feel like if some indie director had made this, I don't don't know. I saw The Lighthouse, and I don't know what the (laughs) fuck that was about either, but people loved it. But that's the thing. It's like, ooh, it must be it must be about something we're not getting and you know, it looks good. Like what I just find the whole thing is like where's the and Doug said this too, it's like we don't know anything about this janitor. We don't know. We don't know if he's ever like I guess the book makes it clear that he is imagining this woman he wanted to talk to in a bar once upon a time and never did. And he imagines like what it would have been like to have her as a girlfriend. We don't get that in the movie. And like, I'm sorry, I feel like a movie fails me if I have to read the synopsis and read the synopsis of the book it's based on and read all these think pieces to really get it because. Yeah. Yeah. And I've said this, uh, uh, especially in reviewing things for the theater, Look, if there's a burdensome amount of guesswork on the audience's or the reader's part, then your work of art has failed. You have to provide enough of the tools. If you want it to be more style than substance, fine. But once you put the puzzle pieces together, there has to be a picture on view in the puzzle. This is devoid of any picture. And there's, I have like a special kind of hate for movies or books or any work of storytelling art that like there are lazy things there are things that are just lowbrow there are things that are not particularly well made but something that wants to pretend it is high-minded in like a postmodern sort of way is it's a big bluff and it's bullshit and i'm calling this movie's bluff like the i don't 
like that I've spoiled it maybe for people, but if I've encouraged even one person, if I've encouraged even you, Karen, to not waste your time on this, there's no there there. It's all hot air dressed to the nines like it is something special and deep because you've got talented people on board um, and it's really a load of shit. You convinced me. I don't need <laughs> yeah. to watch it. And I like I had a headache. I was mad all afternoon and evening, and I was like, "But work was fine today. Like, what happened?" And it, it's really like, I love movies. Nothing makes me matter than a movie that it, that pretends it's better than but it I really. But I also think you know. I think it's you know the audience also. I feel like we live in such like a spoiler as you know spoiler obsessed culture that i think audiences like have to prescribe more to a movie so it's like we have to have a twist there has to be a twi- there needs to be a twist we have to have a twist and that we like really just force these twist endings on movies even if they're not like there is you know like the Christopher Nolan movies, it's like there has mm-hmm. to be a twist. Like the M. Night Shyamalan mm-hmm. movies, there has to be a twist. Like Charlie Kaufman, it's like, I don't know what any of this means, but like, I think it's brilliant and there has to be a twist. And if your twist is like one of the most cliched things of like, they, she's all in his mind, like, that's not good storytelling to me. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I mean, I think it's irresponsible on a host of of levels, but, but yeah, it's, you know, storytelling wise alone, it's yes, certainly very lazy and troubling. So I dare you, anyone who has watched it and listened to this to, uh, to, to give us a very non-combative and well-reasoned explanation why we might be wrong. And, you know, I'll, I'll pose the question that this is not even my podcast, but I'll pose the question it's yours like, tonight. that I posed on, on Facebook where it's like, well, are there movies where, like, the man is the victim of, like, psychological torture, like, in this movie? Or I said mother, which was another waste of time, all for an allegory, um, a supposed allegory. Um, like... Where is, you know, why is it always the woman that has to be tortured for the sake of art? Yep, but we're all ears. We're also sleepy. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to we're going to call it a night and and try and and find some more positive things to discuss next week. But uh, but we are curious to hear alternate takes for those who've been able to watch I'm thinking of ending things and and really think it through um well wait I was a ray of positivity this evening I loved Joker you were you gave Joker a thousand percent yeah I did I did also I I have to say I can't let it go it was also produced by Bradley Cooper (laughs) (laughs) that's right I saw him in the crowd I was like oh really we were at my parents' house this weekend, and my brother was like, "You can turn, you can add him to any conversation." And there you go. <laughs> yes, I can. But All right. Just a fact. Yeah. Just All a right. fact. All right, guys. Well, 
y'all have a great week and we'll see you next time. That's right. See you next Bye. week on the Boulevard. Bye. Things. And and I'm sort of leaning on the side of yes. Yeah, I'm sight unseen leaning on the side of yes. I mean, I think I think it's safe to say no matter what the arena, women are evaluated differently, that the standards are not the same. Yeah, I feel like, I, I just feel like we're so hated. Yeah, I don't like to say that. <laughs> well, you know, I, I wish there was a gentler way to say, you know, like euphemistically, like, well, I think people look at men different than women, but, but like, that is what it comes down to. I like. I just feel like we're so loathed, and I'm you know, not. And knives, I don't quite understand are why. For women and what they do in ways that are not for men. I don't think that you know. I don't think that's rocket science to say at this point. We are loathed, loathed. So yeah. So but anyway, regardless of the book, I don't recommend reading the book. It is dull, 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 and dry, dry, dry. But um, and Andrew Hurley talks about women's wombs, um, feeling it in the womb, but um. But yeah, I do recommend the USA show because it is soapy. Um, it, it's soapy to a point, um, but but again, like not. But but it's definitely more action driven, um, and I am definitely enjoying it. And the show is still going, right? Like it's not been yeah. canceled. It hasn't come to an end. And well, at some point. When shows can come back, this show will come back, right? Yeah, and I feel like it's actually, like, I feel like it's actually one of those slow burn shows where, like, it's not going to get, like, I think we're going, it's, it got pick, picked up for a fifth season, and I feel like now, only, like, now people are starting to really, like, oh, pay okay. more attention to it. Um, so I, I kind of feel like it is one of those shows that that is, like, a bit of a slow burn and took a little bit of time to catch on. Um, kind of like, didn't Walking Dead do that? Like, it took a couple of seasons before it really caught on. I know. I think Walking Dead was, uh, like, phenomenon straight out of the gate. But I think Breaking Bad experienced that. Okay, okay. Maybe maybe I feel like, maybe I got to Walking Dead. And you know what? Shit's Creek experienced that, too. Because they came to Netflix and then really found their audience. Yeah, and I feel like that's what happened with Queen of the South. Like, I feel like... It, it, I feel like now that it's on Netflix, it's really sort of like picking up some steam, and and I would I wouldn't be surprised to see um, maybe like more people writing about it. Actually, maybe I should start pitching stories you about should, it. You should, or I'll, or I'll write with you, pitch, yeah, and I'll watch. Okay, <laughs> because at least I'm like you know on top of it and watching it. Um, but yeah, really, really good. Um, yeah. Yeah, so those were my those were my recommendations this week. Those are those are I think unique and good recommendations. Well, thank you. But that reminds me of a book I have read recently. It took me about a year to catch up to it, but I read The Dutch House by Ann Patchett, who wrote Bel Canto and State of Wonder, um, among other things. I don't know if you're familiar with any of them, and it was a Pulitzer finalist this past year. Oh, I don't read those. Yeah, no. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm straight up genre girl, but go ahead. <laughs> I had meant to um, read it earlier, but, um, you know, life happened. Um, but, yeah, uh, Ann Patchett writes very sensitively and intuitively about people and 
and the way they discover things about both others and themselves. And this book is about a brother and sister. The sister is older by about 10 years. Uh, and they grow up in the, I guess they're born in the late 40s and 50s. Um, and they grew up, their mother has left them when they are very young. Uh, and they are living outside Philly. Um, and then their father, who is cold, somewhat withholding, marries this, like, wretched second wife. And, and it's basically what happens to the kids after that as they continue through their adulthood and, and their lives. And it also follows them into New York, among other places. Um, it's just so sensitively written, but also with, like, such a sense of what makes for suspense, because I found it to be a real page-turner. I kept wanting to know what was going to happen next. And it's almost like every time there's a new development, you learn something about the next chapter of their life, you're like, duh, well, of course that's what was going to happen. That, that's always what had to happen. But it's always with such a sense of, of, I can't wait to see what happens next. Oh, yes, that's right. Um, which is, I think, kind of a rare thing to do, to do the thing which keeps you guessing. And then also you're like, oh, yes, I, I would have known that to happen next. Um, so that's the Dutch House. Highly recommend. Okay. And Patches. And uh, oh, what? What, what else was what else is Anna Patrick? I know the name. I know the name. I think Bel Canto was her big novel. I okay. Think that may have also been a Pulitzer finalist. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, and that was adapted into a really bad movie with Julianne Moore a couple years ago. Not Julianne Moore's fault. Just not a great movie. Oh, uh, I think I'm I, sure what I'm I sure whatever uh, whatever essence was in the book was not found in the. I think I know her from The Magician's Assistant, which I haven't read. But oh, okay, I don't know that one. I kind of want to. Cool. And so that's, that's my book. It's nice to be able to occasionally now have time to read. Uh, uh, yeah, right? I'm it's hoping I can nice. keep doing that. I straightened out some of the books on my shelves, so now the unread ones are facing me, closest to me. Uh, so I hope that will inspire me a little bit. And like I said... They have reopened the libraries, so eventually I can go back and pick up some of the ones that have been on hold for almost six months. Wow. You don't do e-readers, huh? I do, but I find it much more difficult to read on uh, my iPad. Interesting. Because I, I would, like, like my, my e-reader was, like, such a, like, so awesome to, like, have it during the pandemic when the library was closed. Because I could just be like, oh, my library is never closed because I was, my it tablet. was hit or miss for me. There were books that like drew me in and would be quote unquote page turners. But other books uh, I like just couldn't get into. And I felt like if I had the tactile experience of reading a book that I was holding, it was still going to be easier to draw me in. So I sort of interesting. 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 Yeah, for me, like, I can't read, um, I have a hard time reading nonfiction on my, mm -hmm. uh, in uh, electronically, but fiction, I'm, I'm fine doing that electronic. I think I'm the reverse. Really? Yeah. Perhaps it depends, like, on the specific subject matter, but I think nonfiction is easier to draw me in online, but you're on an e-reader. Interesting. See, I like to mark up the margins in nonfiction. Uh, which I know you can do in the e-reader. Like, you can highlight and you can make little notes and stuff like that. But I like yeah, notes. after a while, it's just I like notes in the margins. I don't want to, like, flip back and forth, like, you know, between screens. Like, I want to, like, 
like look at like a little arrow and you know I don't want to have to you know sort of flip into another screen anyway that's just my my weird little thing no it's not so weird oh <laughs> uh, very quickly just something else I want to throw out is that I have started watching that HBO documentary series The Vow about the Nexium cult so yes. I think I'm like two of six episodes in I will, after I've watched everything, probably weigh in. I love cults. I find cults fascinating. I'm curious to see what this has to say. And I don't know a ton of the details about what Nexium did and how they got their people and kept their people and such. So uh, we shall see. Yes, I, I, love, uh, I, I love a good cult story, too. And, um, uh, yeah, I'm... I, I'm I'm curious. I didn't actually know about this. It might be a reason to turn HBO back on. Um, well, are you doing? Are you like waiting to get to a point where you could do a trial run with it? No, we already did our our trial, so we. So you would just again. have to pay for it again. Yeah, I'd have to pay for it yeah. again. So like we basically like we'll turn it on for succession, um, but obviously like there is no succession this year. So um, we won't be turning it on for succession. And I don't know, HBO is weird. Like sometimes like the shit will go to Amazon Prime, but not everything. And it takes a while. I guess it depends like how big of a hit, right? It, I it, guess, the, yeah, it depends how well it does. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, yes, I, I will use that as my yardstick if it's worth it for you to pay for HBO or not to see. So time, I, but not a ton of time. I was listening to a podcast about um, Nexium, about a, oh, really? a woman who came out, um, who survived and sort of like came out the other side. This was a couple of years ago, so I don't Do you know. remember her name? Was it Sarah or Stacy or something maybe? Might have been Sarah. It might have been Sarah. Sarah, I think, is the name. Because um, I think she is a part of this documentary, and I think she also has her own book. So it makes sense then that maybe she was the one that was doing the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could have... It... It could have. I don't remember if she. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I, I know. I don't remember. But anyway, she. A friend of hers worked for uh, CBC, and he. He was the one that interviewed her, um, and and for this podcast that they ended up creating this Nexium podcast, and it was really fascinating. I didn't listen to the whole thing. I, I guess it was just one of those things where I just ended up sort of like ran out of, you know, wasn't able to listen to it ran out of time, but I, I like binge listened to, um, several episodes and it was very, very fascinating how, um, you know, what they were doing and how they did it. And, you know, it was, it was like, it was weird cause it was like just this side of illegal. I guess. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it was so like murky, like when she was telling it, I was like, well, that's weird and creepy, but I'm not sure that's illegal. Right. Which I guess I, that's yeah, like I the whole thing with cults. Point. Yeah. Right, where you're just kind of like, well, it's weird and creepy, but you right, know, like what they're doing might be wrong, but have they broken laws? Yeah, but have they really committed a crime? Like, you know, so I guess that's that's the struggle with um with cults, you know. Um, but yeah, it was it was really interesting. Yeah, so uh, we'll revisit the the documentary series as well. Yeah, I look forward to getting your thoughts when you're, um, you know, sort of ready to tell. I expect to have some. <laughs>
Cool. So I think we're good. Yeah, I think we're great. You guys, we hope you're doing well. We wish you a happy Labor Day, and we wish you would give us five stars. <laughs> oh, my God. Labor Day is coming up. That's right. Whew. Yeah, five stars, kids, for the for the holiday weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Let that be the most labor you do. Yes. So um, if you're in the Nexium cult, let us know. Tell us what that experience was like. Um, if you've seen Queen of the South or Happen Leonard. Or have read Queen of the South. Yes, if you've gotten through Queen of the South. Like, cheer me on. Tell me it gets better. I want to keep going, but I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can. Well, um, I don't know that you have to. Yeah, so much for a beach read, right? Oof. Right. Um, yeah, just, yeah, let us know what you think. And if you guys have an unpopular opinion that you'd like to throw our way for discussion, by all means, please do. Uh, we'd love to hear it. Um, so I'm going to go to bed. And I'm going to wait till October 1st to say rabbit, rabbit. Awesome. Um, so we'll see you guys next time. Yep. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.